Hello again, everyone. God bless you. And welcome to Wow, What a Show. My name is Phyllis. I am the host. And we are on a journey, a rather wonderful one, I have to say, reading through the Gospel of John. We are questing for Jesus Christ's establishment of the church. That is my quest, and I hope that if you have any questions or musings about what that might have been like, that this will also begin to help you put many things in perspective. It is doing that for me. This reading is really helping me. I start tonight again with Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows forth his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no place where the sound of it is not heard. God is everywhere. He is always performing. And as it is written in his word, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. God came as a man in the person of Jesus Christ, the son, the only begotten of God. And it is written in John, the first chapter of the book of John, or the second I got. Remember, he did not come into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. That is our purpose. That's why we're here. We want to tell others of that which we ourselves have witnessed and experienced. I really um, am excited about what the Lord is doing. And yet, because I'm working seven days per week, I actually, this day got got past me. I forgot it was, it's Wednesday, right? And the time came upon me because I'm doing some work for this um, thing that I'm trying to launch. And uh, I have to create a lot. So I was sitting there with my son going through the story of a young man we call Tupac Shakur in these United States. He was a great voice for the oppressed and the poor. And yet he himself picked up a cause that was a righteous cause, no doubt, no less. His mother had been a panther and she had fought for the rights of human beings to have health care. Lots of things that never come out in the news, so you don't know. But this great documentary reveals Tupac's life, his sufferings, the mom's struggle. It's a great documentary. And if you really want to understand what can happen in this world, uh, even in a place like, you know, America, where most people in the world think that um, there's great wealth and that people live, you know, uproariously happy lives and that we have more than enough. Well, that is true as a general statement. That is not true on a specific level. And so many people here also suffer and have not in, enough and there is great lack. This work is uh, addressing some of that in the very way that I know to do it. And so I am not only here to be a witness of Christ and his salvation, but as best I can to create and do something that is more tangible. We need uh, so many things in this country. We do need health care for everyone. We need housing for people. We have a great deal of, um, of, um, 
homelessness, right? And we have been plagued with with much that is different. Good evening to Tony Ritchie. So glad that you are here. I'm so glad to see you. And I am um, I'm late, and and I apologize for that. I am sending out um, invitations right now because many people said that they don't get um, they don't know how to connect uh, quite without it. So I come in and I try to get some of these invitations out. I'll do my best and uh, see to it. You know, people can at least log in if they want to. But Tony, it's really good to see you. Uh, well, I'll see you. I, yeah, I do see your picture. It's good to see your your um, your pipe, I guess. Is that a pipe? I don't know on the other side of the name. But then he sends a picture, and I thank you so much for that. It's, it's like being with um, with a good family member. Uh, I'm, I'm not on the earbuds tonight, and so I will pray that there is no cyber interference. But we will <clears throat> we will move forward. And uh, pray for all those who want to come in and hope that they actually get the um, invitation and uh, join us at their uh, their uh, convenience, right? But we want to keep forward. Tonight, we are reading from John chapter 11. And um, I got to tell you, it was my devotional uh, one morning and the amazing word, God's word is so amazing um, and it so speaks to our particular needs in a particular time, as well as being the transformation, the power of the transformation that each of us needs in our own uh, lives. So for me, this chapter did something very special. And adding to that, this documentary about uh, Tupac Shakur uh, kind of layered it and made it far more uh, meaningful. So I'll dive in and begin to read and pray that all those who would love to hear will come along. Chapter 11 from the book of the gospel, I should say, of the book of John. Now, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. I want to stop, though, for a second and really pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are entering again into your life. Your word is life. You are the word and you've already spoken to us and told us that you are the light and the light is the life. You give to us what we could not have had without you. We are the reborn of the spirit of God and you made that possible by sending the only begotten Jesus Christ. We're so grateful. Father, we ask that you would cause us to focus in on the words tonight, to really hear, and that you would open our blind eyes so that we are able to behold the marvelous things that are in your word and extract from it the life that we so desperately 
need. Thank you for calling our names in each new day. Thank you for opening our blind eyes to see the magnitude of your power just in the day, in your creation, meeting the darkness at the dawn, dispelling that darkness and bringing in light. Everything in your creation is a metaphor, an example, a comparison to who you are, and how you deal with your people. Father, thank you so much for calling us to this reading. I ask that you would speak, that you would, Lord God, speak, because when you speak, when the anointing from you falls, we are all impacted, and we are impacted in the way, Father, that is most meaningful for who we are. So thank you for that. Blessed be your name. Guide the tongue. Take us through, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And, oh, Tony, you're sweet as pie. Happy, happy belated Mother's Day to every woman here on this platform. You are a woman of dignity, a woman of purpose, integrity, truthfulness, faithfulness, hardworking, beauty with brain. You are a woman of valor, dreams, chasers, and more. God bless you so much, Mummy, for your doings in the lives of other people. May God continue to bless you as you are celebrating this special day. I pray for you, long, your long life with prosperity and good health. It is my prayer for, oh God, you're so sweet. You see what I mean? God is always providing. He's always doing something very special. He is always guiding us to family. We are family. We are the beloved, accepted in the beloved, God having already manifested the kingdom, and we are governed by that kingdom. May God bless you, Tony Ritchie, for being such a young man of honor and one of uh, insight, spiritual insight. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I stop at the reading of this first paragraph because here we see and meet again two characters that we know, Mary and Martha. We know it from having read the other Gospels. We know it because the, uh, Mary anointed his feet with an oil and she's, he, he told her that this story would be recounted for years and years to come, that this was very significant. She herself anointed the feet of Jesus as she recognized him to be master, rabbi, savior. And apparently they have become really good friends. And something is happening here. So I pick up with verse four. When Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of man might be glorified Thereby, thereby meaning by it or what we see. And now Jesus Christ is being told that what? Lazarus, their brother, Mary and Martha's brother, is dead. Or was at this point he's sick. Alrighty. And he doesn't respond quite the way we think he ought to. But he heard, he heard it and he said, this is not a sickness unto death. Okay, in those words, we hear what? We hear hope. At least it's not a sickness unto death. But I hear something else, and I hope if you hear differently, you will also say so. 
I hear that every time we are ill, no matter how terrible it may seem, um, it could be for the glory of God that we suffer. You see, it could be for the glory of God that he be glorified in his dealings with us. And I just love it when we pray and um, people say, thank you to Jesus for bringing them out. You see, because it is through the mercy of God and the power of God that we live. It is that. So here it is. Jesus says that this sickness is not unto death, but that the Lord may be glorified. And so we keep going. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. So unlike Phyllis Ledbetter, when you tell me you have a need, I will trip over something trying to satisfy the need in general. Now, I'm not always like that because I can't always satisfy a need. But here it is, Jesus Christ, hearing that his friend is sick and he stays two days beyond when he heard it in the place where he was. He did not rush. Oh, I think there's something glorious in that. He did not rush because you see, he knew and his power is operating wherever he is anyway. He didn't rush to make that difference. But here we go on. Um, it is written in verse seven. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go unto Judea again. His di- disciples said to him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus said and answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he sees the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbles, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Now, listen, Jesus Christ just said something that seems so, uh, 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 it doesn't seem related. He says, um, uh, after all, there are 12 hours in the day. There are 12 hours. He said, you're going back in there. These people want to kill you. You're going back in there. He says, there are 12 hours in the day. If any man walk in the day, he stumbles, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. Hallelujah. Oh my goodness, y'all, that speaks so much to me. If you work, he says in another scripture, work while the day is. In other words, do what you can do while the day is still there. But also walk in the light because the light is a, a, a um the light shows you the way. We are not confused if we're walking in the light. And by the way, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. That's what has been written. He is the light. So he says, uh, but if you walk in the darkness, now you know you stumble. If you're not walking in the light, you stumble. But when you walk in the day, you don't stumble. Guys, 
I prayed, I stopped and I pray that the Lord will always make us aware that there is a day. There are 12 hours in the day. And that 12 hours, I believe, is metaphoric of the extent of uh, days on the earth when you can do something about a thing. We can make a difference, right, in the day while we have the light and we can see in this world. And he goes on to says, to, and he says um, to his disciples, uh, it, then his disciples say to him, um, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm missing. Uh, verse 11, these things said he, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Listen to the Jesus talk. I tell you, it's like watching a really good film. Jesus Christ is the hero. <laughs> he is the superhero. He is the winner. Every time he says, I'm going to awake him out of sleep. And they said uh, to him, Lord, if he sleeps, he shall do well. Why are you going at all? If he's asleep, he's okay, right? He'll, he'll wake up again. Howbeit Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may have uh, live, believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Because they're so sure that these people who want to kill Jesus Christ are going to get him. Because you see, they've been trying to get him throughout the whole book. We keep seeing him get away from them, right? And they're saying, come on, he's going back. You know, think about good friends, right? <laughs> when you're really, really good friends. I, I remember in in, our, in the ministry of Love Calling, um, you know, I was kind of the visionary there in God. He kind of added to me these wonderful people who walk with me. And uh, <clears throat> when I wanted to do something and they didn't think, oh my goodness, here she goes again. We, you know, we come on, honey, we need to really rehearse this out. We need to practice. We got to write. We got to do anything. And sometimes I would have them moving so quickly. My friend would say, maybe batting her eyes, maybe it's not for now, Phil. Maybe, maybe the Lord is, you know, putting it on your heart so you can do it eventually. Right? Not now. We had little children and we were just um, on this on this mission and we were moving quickly, right? And we were moving as God opened every door and not to let the doors closed. I was trying to walk through every one of them as expediently and with as much vision for what he was doing as I could. And they just came along. I tell you, there's nothing like that. And that's what these guys are doing right now. They're saying, come on, let's go. Here he goes. We're going because uh, he's going to die. And we'll just we'll just be there to support him and we'll die with him, you know, if, if need that need comes. Then when Jesus came, he found that. He had lain in the grave four days already. Now, Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem. So Bethany was near Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And that's about 1.87 miles or almost two miles. <clears throat> and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. 
Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatever uh, you will ask of God, God will give it of thee. Now, I think that when in that statement, she really does have the faith that he can perform the miracle. Because if you hadn't been here, he would never even have died. But I know now, even now, if God says, you you know, if you ask him, he'll give it to you. He'll do it. Jesus said unto her, your brother shall rise again. And mother said, yes. See, when we hear the same things over and over in our faith, you know, people quoting the word to you, you kind of say, oh, my goodness, don't say that to me. You know, I already know that Martha's doing that. She said to him, I know that he shall rise in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said, oh, my, he said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believe you this? Do you believe it? And she said unto him, Yes, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, um, secretly, saying, The master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The, the Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, believed, I mean, they followed her, saying, she goeth to the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus uh, therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? Why do you suppose he was, he groaned and, and was troubled? Cause there is a measure of unbelief, I think, going on here. Um, they, anyway, he groaned in the spirit and he says, uh, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. At this point, you see, he was troubled. He groaned in the spirit. He also wept. Jesus Christ, the tears fall from his eyes. Um, how many times, really, when you say something to someone, you're trying to uh, give them maybe sound advice, wisdom. You're trying to help. You are teaching what you wish they would just learn or you have confidence maybe that they will learn, but they don't get it. You know, as a teacher, you go through that a lot. You're telling and telling and, and uh, you know, giving uh, exams. You know what I used to do as a teacher? I would even let the students fail. Therefore, if, if you fail, come to my office, sit with me. 
I will prep you again. Let you retake the test and give you the score that you make the second time around. Because it was not my aim ever to fail a student. How many students believe that? Not many. I'll bet you I, if I, I don't even remember one time that a student took me up on that. Not even once. And so far be it for me to want to fail someone, but when you calculate the grades, someone does fail. And I kind of think that that's the weeping here. Jesus Christ has been with them. He has told them and he has uh, explained, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He has demonstrated the miracles by doing what he does. Believe me for the very works that I do. If you don't believe what I'm saying, watch what I'm doing. See what I am doing and understand who I am by that. But no, the people still had their doubts. Verse 37 says, And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. And the answer is a, a unequivocal yes, he could have. Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou should see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Isn't this something? And when they took away the, the uh, when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. There. Then many of the Jews <laughs> which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. I want to stop here too and say this one thing. Jesus prayed in their hearing and he said that, you know, I know you always hear me. I'm not praying because I'm trying to, you know, I, I don't believe that you hear me. I know you always hear me. But for those around me, I'm praying, I'm, I'm asking you to do this so that they will know. They will know, right? And um, he's, they will know and they will, they will believe. They would have seen 
and they would believe, right? And many did believe. But that, and I believe all of them believed, but that there were those who believed and focused on Jesus. And then there were those who believed what they had seen and focused on the former things, that which they were accustomed to, what had been their usual. Oh my goodness. Let me tell you, today I got a free uh, lesson. Uh, it's a very mini lesson. And it was uh, on... What's it called? Uh, something about thinking, how to think. I forget the exact title because it was just in my email and I opened it and I actually listened to it. And what the, the man is doing is um, how it's kind of how to um, re- rethink what you believe about yourself, the world around. How do you grapple with what is beyond your own experience and your own thinking. And he says what you do, and this is what the Bible teaches us, you have to begin to question or at least juxtapose what you're believing against what you're hearing. And then you determine it to be truth based on the merits and the value of it, the credibility of it, right? And then you have to be willing to readjust and make what you believe stand up to the same test. Is it true? And therefore, those guys who go back to what they had already known, they are little tattletales, tattlers, Oh, you know, they did this over there. They did that over there. Or mm, he did it, but good gracious, could it possibly be, you know, instead of really weighing it? I know the difficulty of believing the astounding that is before you, believing what you didn't expect, believing what you never heard before, or believing what seems, well, you know, incredible uh, to you, or what doesn't seem valid to you, but seriously to see, to witness, to experience has with it, it brings with it a measure of credibility and you must investigate it. It seems only a wise thing to do so. So when folks come forward with uh, what we call these um what do you call the, uh, the, the, the stuff that people are believing and there's nothing underneath it, nothing to prove that it's there. Are they willing to, uh, find it out by <laughs> searching it out? The scriptures about Jesus Christ predicted all that he did. The blind of the, the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The deaf shall hear, the lame shall walk, they shall leap. So says the prophets. The the Jewish people believe the prophecies. And yet before them, it's all unfolding, playing out, just as it is written, and they cannot believe. So one group believes, and they focus on Jesus Christ. The other group believes and turns back to what they knew. And we can only hope and pray that, you know, they turned back momentarily and then they came out um, on the other side of it. 
but that's what we are given here. And it for me is a warning. I pray, oh Father, teach us really to believe, not just on sight alone, but on the entire message, which includes sight. And for many of us, it begins with sight. For others of us, it begins with the word that we have heard. It begins sometimes with mentoring. It just, it shows up because that's who God is. He knows each of us and he's coming to tell us truth in the way that we can receive it, in the way that we process. Therefore, do not discount something because it doesn't line up with your former belief. Now, it might, and it may hold true, or you may investigate a thing, and it might it, it prove to be not true. But by all means, open yourself to the investigation, to the search, when it comes to things as important as what you believe, what that foundation is going to be that will carry you through life. Our young people are done a very grave disservice in that we do not give them foundation. And so they grow and they are plucking off trees of evil because they do not know better. And don't even believe for one second that a young adult in this country, not in this country anyway, has the wisdom, the wherewithal, the understanding, the validation to make the best choice. I'm sorry. We have defined what is good by what brings what we call success. Success, the education, the money, the house, the car, the fame, all that is so very temporal. When success really is predicated on the quality of the life and the outpouring of the gifts that God has given you to the world. I have two students that are blowing my mind as we talk in this class on historical matters and how they are relevant for today. They are thinking it through and they are listening and responding. That is invaluable in the growth of a young person. Let us work while there is day as Jesus did. He knew he was going to the cross. It was his purpose to come. He said, I came that the world through me might be saved. And finally, there is a, a, a high priest that knows, a chief priest that states it. He knows the scripture and he says, is it not written that one man shall die for all of us and that those who are scattered abroad might be brought near that we would be one. So they knew. They knew. Here it is now. Lazarus comes forth. I've heard many preachers try to tell us why he said, loose him and let him go. <laughs> to me, that is an irrelevant point. However, there might be much in the very thing. He's prayed. He told the father, I am praying not for, not for me. I'm not praying this prayer out to you because I know you always hear me saying I'm walking in prayer. I'm always praying. But for those that they may hear, see? And then they will see and believe. 
And then, uh, he, so Lazarus comes out. So now, come on. If he let him die, he knew he was sick. He stayed two days. He, he dies. Then Jesus goes. He's in the grave there four days. And now he tells them to come forth, Lazarus. What did they expect? That he wouldn't finish what he started? He's raising the dead. And so the dead come back alive, bound, just like they put him in the grave. He comes out of the grave. Just like they put him in the grave, he comes out of the grave. There could be no whispering of it being a trick or a setup. He wasn't there. He didn't bind him. And he now lets you see you bound him. He is there. And don't come, don't even um, think about the fact that I had anything to do with this. God is a mastermind and there is no God like ours. There is no God like this God, the great creator of the whole world through whom uh, or in Jesus Christ, through whom he shows himself to the whole world. Absolutely. All righty. So now he says, loose him and let him go. And of course, you know, I got to find my place again. Then gathered, uh, where is he, uh, to mm, let him go. Uh, verse 45, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him, but some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. And this is where I say, pray. Pray and make sure that you're always walking with Jesus and not going backwards in what you're experiencing, seeing, and how the Lord is dealing with your own personal life. And I pray me, I pray for me first. <laughs> so I'm just letting you um, contemplate and pray also for yourselves. Verse 47, Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we, what are we supposed to do now? For this man doeth many miracles. It, if we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. Look, listen to that. If we don't do something, folks are going to really believe on him. And what will happen if they do that? You will be out of your position. These Pharisees, uh, trust me when I tell you the word is already written. It's written. It was for jealousy that they sent Jesus to the cross. But they didn't know they were playing right into the hand of God's own plan. And then when when you become the Judas, right, God has always used the evil in the world uh, to chastise his own people or to accomplish his own ends. But he doesn't overlook the evil. You see, it's there to be used. And so it is used. But the Lord has a way of judging that which is outside of his design and plan for righteousness. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, saith unto him, you know nothing at all. Now consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and the whole nation so that the whole nation doesn't perish 
And this spake he, not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Y'all look at the weaving here. It's like fine needlework. Not one stitch out of place. Not one stitch dropped. Not one turn missed. The pattern is perfect. He has woven the plan. And Jesus Christ has fulfilled or is fulfilling at this point the plan. And everything is as it surely ought to be. Oh, my prayer is that I could live a life that trusts where I am and that God is with me at all times. And that whether I suffer or am in great prosperity, joy, that God's plan for this life that he has poured through this person named Phyllis is being fulfilled. Oh, that there were a group of people who wanted to live like that. Would we not be an influence in the world? Oh, trust me when I use the word influence, I know exactly what I'm saying. I am not saying that men will look up to us tip their hats at us or wish us well. No, I'm saying an influence such that a life is impacted for Jesus Christ. If there had been in the life of Tupac, as I showed you in the beginning, I'm watching this video of the, of the documentary and I'm wondering where was the voice of wisdom? Where was God to pick up the pieces when his mother having worked so hard, was left alone in despondency and despair? Where was someone who loved the fact that she was in the front doing the work but could not pick her up when she needed a hand? See, that's Jesus Christ. That's what God does for us. When you walk with him, when you are with him, when you are living his plan, you are also his friend. You are also his beloved. You are also the one with whom he will walk and guide and protect. Jesus walked amongst those who wanted to take him and he always escaped. He could always have escaped, but for one reason he came to this world and this man has prophesied it. And Jesus is walking steadfast and onward in the plan. He knows exactly where he's going. He knows exactly what will happen. Hmm. Verse 54 says, Jesus therefore walked no more openly among the Jews, but went thence unto a country near to the wilderness unto a city called Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples. And the Jews' Passover was nigh at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem 
before the Passover to purify themselves. Then sought they Jesus and spake among themselves as they stand in the temple. What think ye that he will not come to the feast? Now both of the chief, chief priests and Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man knew where he were, he should show it that they might take him. Listen, this is a heavy story. This is a heavy story. This is not lightweight stuff that we're reading. This is not the usual. We're not sitting in front of a movie screen watching the um the action. We're not watching that plot unfold and that man can manipulate and cause the end that we want to see or even the end that we don't want to see. No, that's not what is happening here. We are hearing the account of a living God in the flesh named Jesus and called the only begotten. The word walking amongst men, the intelligence of God and the wisdom of God in the man Jesus showing us the way to eternal life. We are witnessing by looking back on what has gone on, but we are also witnessing by living in what has gone on. Jesus the righteous, one for all. After the the absolute similitude and the kind who, who we are, we are men, born in sin, shaped in iniquity, needing a savior and God fulfilling what he said in the book of Genesis when he told Adam and Eve that they were going to be put out of the garden. Nonetheless, he said in sweat, in thorns and thistles, you're going to till that ground and I'm going to provide. So harvest came, they were going out of the garden where everything was provided, but God kept providing. A little suffering, though. And how is it written? After a while, after you've suffered a while, after you've suffered a while, that you'll be established. You know, we don't think like God. We don't have the mind of God. We cannot see what is best for us, but he does. And he causes that thing to happen in your life and in mine because the promise is that you will have eternal life. You will live forever. And we're watching the unfolding of that plan as it has already been pronounced. Not from the seed of the male, but the seed of the woman quickened by the Holy Spirit shall be the salvation of the world. And here we have it. Here we have it. We are seeing it. Oh, praise be to God. Praise be to God. He is amazing, marvelous God. Glory, glory, glory. 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 May the Lord our God 
Just open us, open us, open us, open us, Lord, pour into us. You know, when I came to Christ and well, I was, you know, I came to Christ when I was a child, but when I uh, actually stood up and acted like I had come to Christ, I would go to church and in worship, close my eyes and above my head, hallelujah, time after time after time, above my head was a picture you know what? A water pitcher pouring out over me, washing me, cleansing me. That's what I knew then. Just pouring out time after time. Even sometimes right now, as clear as ever it was, I see it above my head pouring out. But I could never see the water, right? I could just, I just knew that something was being poured over me. Oh, over me. Glory to God. I was being cleansed and washed, prepared, anointed. I was spoken to. I still am. I'm saying was, but that's what is happening to all of us. It never stops because Jesus said he who has begun a good work in you, the apostle Paul wrote it, (laughs) will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Where you are, I'm always go ye into the world and, you know, and, and lo, I'm with you always. Always, always, if we would only believe. Do you believe? Do you believe? Do I believe? Right. And when we really believe, we live like there is an eternity. We live like that which is to come or which we've already received. It's true. It's real. And we cannot ignore it. What would you give in the parables of Jesus Christ? There was a woman who, you know, sold all she had to go out and buy that precious pearl, right? And if she loses it in another parable, would she not just scour the whole house so she could find glory? Scour the house. Clean the inner person. Fix the mind. That's the prayer. We can't do it ourselves. But before God, in humble prayer, totally in submission, we ask him to do just that. Make us those people. Father, give us that anointing. Make us able. Open us so that we really truly believe it and just assure you're getting your car and put that key in the ignition and have the faith that it will start and that you will actually get there wherever you're going. And we drive oh so far. We'll drive from here to California, right? Or And I, I suspect that we could drive to Europe. We do that too, you know? By the way, if they ever tell me it's safe enough, I will surely drive down to, uh, what is that? We can drive right into South America by way of Texas. For sure, right? Believe. 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 I pray also that the Lord will have mercy on our state of unbelief, that he will show up 
and allow us to see that our faith would increase and our belief stronger. In the name of Jesus Christ. So I have some uh, comments that I want to read. I, I suggest that every mommy on this line go back and read the uh, comment that was written by Tony from the very top there of comments made. I read it already, so because this is going to be a an episode, I won't read it again. But um, <laughs> Tony writes, um, good evening to the whole, oh, that's Reams, good evening to the whole family. And Tony had spoken to her. Thank you, Lord, for your, thank you for your kind words, Tony, reams to Tony. And we have lots of likes from Light Touch. I just love you, Light Touch. Light Touch, she gives us so many hearts and balloons and, and you pay like, I don't know, I don't know what you pay, but anyway, it, it translated in, in, in pennies to us. She has donated so many pennies. May God bless you. Thank you so much for it. Nana Cuardo, Enter the studio. Welcome to you, Nana. And uh, Tony writes, one of the most, one of the best ways you can serve God is allowing you to heal your heart and your life. Yes, indeed. And later use you to heal me. A hallelujah to heal millions of people around the world. Right? That's right, Tony. What he's done for me, I can surely share. And my story, though it is never going to be exactly like another person's, it will hit into the very dead space in another person's life. And so when God tells you to speak, by the Holy Spirit, speak. And let him do the work. It is his to do. It is ours simply to obey. I mean, allowing him to hear your life and your heart. Yes, Tony. And your heart. The seat of all the desperation of men, the wickedness of men, allow the Lord to transform. And that's what poor, the story of these guys who have such great talents, right? And, and, and get so misguided. And there's no voice of the Spirit for them. No one who gives the gospel, right? No one to say, lay your head at his feet. He will stroke you and heal you. He will also guide you and comfort you. He will show you great and mighty things. And the gift that you've received now becomes anointed. And the power in the gift is greater and for a greater good. To guide and to lead many in the way of a righteous life. That's the world's problem. Too many people reject the voice of God or never hear it. Amen, says Sharice. Thank you for liking the show, Sharice. She says, Amen. If we can live the life of Christ so others shall know him, we continue to strive for it and God acknowledges it. He surely never turns a blind eye to those of us who seek. It is written in the book of Isaiah, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. It is also written, you seek him and you shall surely find him if you seek him. You see, Sheree says, I think it's 
uh, seen best in our brokenness so that all of us broken people can continue to strive as we see others bless the Lord, bless God. And you know, Sheree says something in this whole idea that we are broken. We are so broken. But when we come to the Lord, he actually repots, he remolds us. We become new. We are the vessel now. And there's nobody looking at, at that vessel who will not um, recognize the beauty in the vessel. Yes, we are earthen vessels with the treasure of the spirit that the excellency of who we are is of God and it is visible. Our brokenness is a gift to the world if only we would share it. My sister wrote a whole production that we did many years ago was called Be Healed. Just Be Healed. Uh, Mark is read, okay. I don't know. Be Healed. Allow the Lord to rebuild. You know, I don't like to use the re-word because he doesn't redo. He simply, uh, yes, he does. He redoes. He There's a rebirth. We are born again. And from children now we grow up, even if you are 40 years old, if you're born again, you start over as the Lord's baby and he nurtures you and uh, coddles you and holds you just like we do our newborn babies. And as he does that, you come to the point where he teaches you now to do the things that a reborn child in the kingdom does. You learn again to talk, to walk. And it all starts at your rebirth. You learn to think, you think again. It's different. It's very different. And the difference is astounding, even to you. And the difference is miraculous, even to you. And the difference is wonderful, even to you. And in the dead moments, when you think there's no progress and you think, oh my goodness, it's not as exciting as it was before, he still holds your hand and excitement comes through until you launch again into a plane that's flying just a little higher, an age that is one year beyond or a day beyond, whatever it is. God does a great and marvelous work in our brokenness. I really like that because we are broken people. We have a need to be reborn, reborn, reborn. Hallelujah. You guys are so amazing in that you continue to um, visit and I apologize this evening. I was a little shaky on the beginning because for some reason I totally forgot today was Wednesday. But you know, Lord, it prepared me <laughs> uh, by using John this chapter as a devotional. Uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before. See, I'm, I'm kind of lost in the week. And it, it was so powerful that morning in my worship with the Lord, my time with him, that these uh, prayers just poured through this chapter. And I don't know that I have uh, imparted to you the uh, anointing 
and the power with which it came to me, but it is still very fresh for me. And it rides on the previous chapters and it's so good. It's really good. Like I told you, John connects as if the story, like you really are reading a book and that events are happening chronologically. And therefore, it's an easier, it's easy to walk through this with regards to its, you know, being consistent in it. So the Lord is really good. And like I said, he knows what he's doing. And I'm really glad that he does. Um, may the Lord our God be praised forever and ever. And may you have the best of all nights. If there are any more comments, you know, I just really would love to hear them. And for those of you who leave these wonderful comments, um, they are held but is it, there's a certain way I get to them, right, that I can't share them back with an audience. However, as I uh, continue to, uh, you know, make notes and try to create the curriculum that I told you I wanted to, to, to create from the very beginning uh, or the study, uh, I would love to quote some of you and things that you've said, and I will definitely let you know. You are very astute in the Lord. You have a spiritual astuteness that really complements uh, my needs. So I thank you for sharing. I really do. And for every one of you who has come this evening, may the Lord our God bless you. Father, you are greater than great. You are better than good. You are so wonderful. Your mercy, your love, and your care for us is always felt. You know, and when we don't, I thank you that you send someone along who can remind us and who share. That is the richness of fellowship. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for continuing to speak to us through this uh, gospel, through these words on the page. God bless us now as we go. Protect and keep everyone who has joined tonight. And Father, I ask that you would repeat in their very own spirits in their minds and hearts the words that are life to them that come from the reading of these chapters. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus Christ. And with that, my darlings, I say to you, Amen, Amen, Amen. There's only one loving Father and He is How blessed are we to say he is our God and he is our father. You know, it's just a beautiful thing. What can I say? I am really taken. (laughs) I think he's so intelligent. I mean, he is really the epitome of that definition. He's so awesome. He is the greatest. He is everything. There is nothing. No words I have, no expression to say how wonderful, how great, how kind, how loving, how caring, protecting our God is. And he has wrought a great thing for us in dying on that cross and conquering death and coming out of the grave through and by the work of our God in Jesus Christ. We have and can have eternal life. Think on these things. May our God bless you. I'll see you next time. Have a really good night.